Howdy. Welcome to another episode of Cannon Calls. This week, I had on my good friend, Michael Foster, to talk about his brand new book alongside of Non-Tenant, It's Good to Be a Man, a handbook for godly masculinity. You can get that book now on audio, available at mycanonplus.com. If you don't have Canon Plus, I highly recommend it. I say it every week, but this really is a resource that I can't recommend enough. It has everything, all the new books from us, and I can promise you that every day at Canon Press HQ, we're working to put more and new and better content on there for our subscribers. If you don't want to subscribe yet, there's tons of stuff that you can still have access to. You can get all the podcasts in one place. You can even get Andrew Isker's sermon series that we talked about last week is up there as of this week. And one piece of content that I I really wanted to mention that we're super proud to have is uh, the late Reverend Greg Strawbridge in God's Providence. We had been working with uh, Pastor Strawbridge for quite a while on uh, his legacy, which I believe to be Word MP3, which he he was just faithful to sort of record everything over the last several decades uh, that was sort of going on in our little corner of evangelicalism. It's a powerful, powerful resource, uh, wordmp3.com. The good news is that we will be uh, featuring a lot of that content through Canon Plus. And so we thought we would sort of debut that news uh, and begin with sort of the drip of content. We thought we would start with uh, Pastor Strawbridge's, he's got a series on eschatology and I believe Ezekiel. And there's one more that that escapes me. So that's all there for free. Go check it out at mycanonplus.com. Get an account. And I highly recommend that you subscribe. Without further ado, welcome back, Michael Foster. All right. Now welcoming on recurring guest, a friend of the program, Michael Foster. Michael, thanks so much for giving me your time, man. Yeah, glad to be here, man. Super busy. One aspect of that is because uh, you have released a book, It's Good to Be a Man, with your friend uh, Non. How's everything going? Seems like it's going really well. The hardcover sold out, yep. and then it's paperback and Kindle and audio um, or Audible, and also it's on uh, Candle Plus. Yeah, it's going really good. I get messages thanking me. Probably, man, I, I probably get five of, or six a day just thanking me, let alone other emails. So that's, see, that's actually being helpful. We didn't want to just create a another book that's already been made, but something that we thought brought something different to the space and was really practical. And that's a lot of the feedback we're getting back is yeah. that it's actually helping them put things into practice, which is wonderful. Yeah. So maybe to, for folks who are unfamiliar or maybe who are just like teetering on whether they should get it or not. Could you maybe tell us about the book, but sort of situate it maybe against other books that are similar? Yeah. I think one thing that's really key to our book is right in the introduction that I think people must be skipping. We say it's not a book about (laughs) getting a girl. Yeah. It's not a book about being a husband. Okay. It's not a book about being a father. It's a book about being a man. All those other things are important to manhood, but if you don't understand what men are made for and how God intends you to be great at being a man, none of them will matter. I think a lot of the books of masculinity try to cover the whole scope of manhood. And to be fair, when we started out, we had, you know, we had a bigger plan for the book, but then as we got into writing it and rewriting it, it really became a book just about 
how has manhood been lost and how can it be regained through the gospel? And that's what the book's about. So if you're looking for a book on marriage, a lot of people are like, why don't you talk about the marriage relationship? Well, it's not a book on that. It's not a book on being <laughs> fathers, you know? And it's interesting that a lot of the books that are written kind of define manhood entirely or maybe primarily uh, in the relationship to being a husband and a father. And those are great things. And I've been helped by books that do that. But there's books that just weren't tackling the issue of basic manhood. You know, obviously, you should have some mature masculinity before any woman wisely marries you. Right. And, and that would, you know, follow that would be true of being a father. So we wanted to write a book that kind of tackled that. And I think that's a little unique. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious how much of the feedback has been on the book people wish you had written. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, basically, that is, uh, uh, from the critics that we get the most is that they don't say this, they don't say that, you know? And you're like, well, okay, uh, just because we don't say something doesn't mean we don't think it matters. It just wasn't material to the main point we were making in this chapter or that chapter. Sure. And so I feel like a lot of the cr- criticism I've seen is like one guy said, this book isn't much of a manual, you know? And I was like, well, we say it's not a manual. We're just trying to, it's more like a compass and a topographical map. Right. Right. We're trying to give you the basic lay of the land and point you in the right direction. How could you ever write a book that's just step by step that covers all these things? Right. We really wanted to give people principles that they start to chew on and apply to their whole life. But yeah, I do. It's, you know, I think also there's a real hunger for more content on the intersexual dynamics between men and women in the dating or courting stage of a relationship and in marriage. And we would love to get to those things, but it just was really not within the purview of what we're trying to accomplish this first go around. I'm curious. Yeah. With that, you had a ministry per se. I mean, you had a blog and you guys were writing often about it's good to be a man. You sort of did the book, which made you, I'm sure, talk and really distill a lot of that stuff. Now, as you look forward, I mean, how have you seen sort of It's Good to Be a Man? And I mean, in the broader context of the blog, not just the book, but sort of what you guys are about. How have you seen that sort of ministry mature? And not necessarily saying like it was immature, but like, how have you seen it grow? Like, are you on to other things now? Or We're, um, you know, Nan and I kind of look at it like the Avengers, (laughs) where, you know, we, we all have our own things. And then we team up for things from time to time. Sure. And so it's good to be a man's kind of a team up project that he and I team up on. And I've always had, I get to it when I get to it policy. Sure. With podcasts. Yep. Um, people complain about, you know, they, they can make a podcast too. I can tell you how to do it and then they can do it every <laughs> week and, and um, it'll right. be fun. But um, we released a couple the other day, uh, Nan and his wife did that I think is going to probably roll into a project that they're working on. Oh, cool. My wife and I are working on a project uh, called We Made People, which is really just a podcast that focuses on being a first-generation Christian household. Yep. And how do you work out marriage when you both come from broken homes of a sort? Okay. How do you um, work out how many kids you're going to have and education and finances and the ups and downs and bumps of all that when you're not, uh, you don't have an extended family that's Christian or even really a nuclear family. And so we thought that would be helpful because there's a lot of people that are new to the faith and are also new to biblical sexuality. They're trying to work these things out. 
and things look simple on paper and they get complicated in real life. And so we thought a podcast that was just kind of down to earth and accessible, built around the eight different children we've had, yeah. um, might be a good way to introduce uh, some of those ideas and actually be encouraging the folks out there doing it. So that's something we're working on. Hopefully we'll have that. You know, I meant to have it done forever ago. It's not done, um, but it, it'll be out soon. When it does come out, we, we intend for it to be on the Canon app. Awesome. I'm curious too, as, it, as it's gone and as you guys have been writing and thinking about this stuff, have there been for you guys revelations in terms of like, oh, actually the battle seems to be here or man, when we started, we thought this was the issue, but now as we've written, the books come out and we see criticisms and what have you. Does that make sense? Has there been anything like yeah, that? Sure. Really in writing the book, I mean, the book went through a couple of different additions really in the, the editing process. Uh, first, we had the, the initial outline figured heavily around androgyny. Okay. It was a little more academic in its study. And then we wrote the first uh, version that we submitted to you guys. That was a little more punchy. And then we came back around and reworked it. And so we, that kind of helped us focus in. And the book really did become about manhood primarily. Okay. I think things have moved in a more positive direction since we've started this. There's more voices in the space that are actually thinking about it. And one thing we're hoping to do it is inspire people to create more um, content. Guys like um, Andrew Isker, you had him on not too long. Andrew's yep. doing some of that work. Eric Kahn, uh, Brian Salve is doing that. There's a lot of people that are getting more in the space. So it's kind of nice that we don't have to do it. I'm not personally interested yeah. in just making content to make it. I like to study and look at things. If I'm going to put it out for public consumption outside of my church, I'm most interested in things that people aren't aren't writing about or talking about. Yep. Um, I get I get bored easily with my people. I just want them to know the Bible. But if I'm going uh, a broader broader group, it needs to be something that hasn't been said already. So if other people are going to go out there and do that hard work and get it out there, I'm just going to use that and be thankful that we have a body of working on this stuff together. And so I do think there's still a spot for um, some of the more intersexual dynamics that I think a lot of people originally were attracted to the podcast and the, and the, the blog for. Okay. And so I've tossed around, I told Non that I'm not going to write a book on fatherhood until I have a grandchild who is a communion member of a church. You know, nice. I just kind of think these guys that write books on subjects when they just have kids that are still in their teens, you yeah. know, they haven't really, you haven't completed the main part of the fathering work, you yeah. know, at all. You, you got, you haven't gotten them to adulthood and, and are they actually reproducing uh, Christian children? Once they start doing that though, you can say like, look, you might not be the perfect dad. You still have sure. responsibilities as a father, but you have gotten one across the finish line. So that's so far off for me. My oldest son's 15. So, you know, that's like 10 years away or something. And so I, so the idea of like, it was, it's good to be a man. It's good to be a husband. It's good to be a father is, I don't think we're going to do that, but I, I'm tempting non with the idea of writing a sequel to it's good to be a man and make it into just a pair of books. I like the idea of writing a book called it's not good for man to be alone. Nice. Um, as a sequel, kind of an antithesis. Um, in a sense, it sounds like that, but to focus, it gives us a chance to speak to the goodness of marriage yep. against the MGTOW movement, men going their own way, but also the kind of gospel coalition singleness gospel 
and then get into how to look for a spouse in situations like the one we find ourselves in and uh, and then get into some of the more basic stuff that I don't actually see covered in many marriage books. Actually, most marriage books are just terrible. And I sat down and reread Reforming Marriage. I'm actually looking at it right now uh, when I was at a trade show last week. And great book. And I was like, where can we contribute that a book like this didn't speak to yep. because that wasn't its goal or was it just a different time? How can we yep. complement? Is there something like that that we could produce that would be different? And I think there is. And we'll see if we get that that going sometime, maybe late this year. I'm curious. The uh, I was also looking through some of the Goodreads reviews and, and feedback. I saw one in particular that mentioned um, like they enjoyed the content and that there was times where you were needlessly, I forget what he said, what it said. It was more like aggressive or, or needlessly too harsh maybe was a thing. Um, yeah. And it made me think about how people will generally, so uh, for a long time, I used to think that all disagreements essentially were just misunderstandings where it's like, oh, I, I am assuming the best and they just were not under, you know, I'm miscommunicating or they're miscommunicating with me. And sometimes I think a lot of people still think that where like, oh, well, if you're going to be, if you're going to take that tone, then that's going to mess everything up here. Cause we just need to understand one another. When you thought about tone of your book, how did you think about that? And what, what would you think of someone saying you were needlessly harsh or something to that effect? Oh, I think they're probably kind of soft. I mean, <laughs> the, the reality is we went through, if you go to the original version, Sinan and I both can be kind of sharp at times in different ways. It sure. kind of depends on the party yep. that we're speaking to, how it acts in our personality. And I, I have a tendency just to go after people that I think are proud <laughs> yep. yeah, aggressively, and uh, but kind of don't care otherwise. And Nan can get a little frustrated, I think, with those in the ministry that abuse authority. <laughs> so that, that came out if you read our original manuscript, which you did. Yep. We went through and took a ton of that stuff out. Right. You know, and, and I, we actually, you know, at the road, roads of hell's paved with adverbs, um, <laughs> but they exist for a purpose. Sure. And, and so we did go through and add adverbs in a few places to soften or qualify statements. And I think we just live in a time where, you know, it's relativism, even if you're not a relativist, relativism has taught us that we always have to keep a, a back door open, leave for other options. Right. And anyone that's taking a hard stand on anything, people think you always should soften it a little bit. But a friend of mine today or last night uh, messaged me and just said that uh, he's, yeah, man, your book's causing some controversy online right now. I got to be honest with you. I kind of thought it was not as shocking as I was expecting. And I've heard that from a lot of guys. So I just think there's some people You're that, saying they expected like you to have like burned everything down and they found yeah, a very yeah, reasonable book. More. Yeah, and it turned out to be very reasonable. It's hilarious. People will criticize <laughs> something on one page. They'll say, I heard someone, so we quote this story about this guy, um, Sledge, who tells this really moving story about how he misses being back in war and even leave his family, um, just his, his family to get back to it because, you know, kind of it was this time that made sense to him. And so someone said that we were implying that it was okay. Uh, for someone to leave their wife behind for war or something. That's how they took it. Okay. But the next page, it literally says men can be close, very close, 
like brothers, even closer than brothers. Deep down, all men long for this brotherhood, but brotherhood is not without danger. As we already shown, sin can twist natural desires towards ungodly ends. Literally the next page, right. we say this desire for brotherhood can get a bad place. And then we give some descriptions. And so it's it's kind of like people aren't letting the conversation develop and they're just jumping to conclusions. And you're like, well, I I can't fight that, you know? Right. I can't I can't correct a book that I didn't write. And you just you try to if you get an opportunity to talk to them and reason with them, you try to, but I think people really just want books to say things regardless if they do or not. Right, right. Yeah, it's it seems like a tough, you know, if somebody were to sit down with you and really tell you like, hey, I liked the content, but I, I didn't really like your tone. You know, it feels like a tough place for you to even start to engage. Like, it doesn't feel like a substantial criticism or, or one that is easy to interact with, I suppose. You know what I would say? A tap person. I would say, look, man, I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. <laughs> All right. So I wrote the book. If you like the content and you hadn't thought about it, and you don't like the tone. Fine. Take the book, take the ideas and adapt them yourself for your own audience. Right. And, you know, like, because we care more about the principles than we do anything. I'm not going to spend my whole life trying to defend my tone to somebody. I'll just say, well, if you if you can do it better, go do it. And, mm-hmm. I, and if it builds up the church, I'm going to applaud you and champion you. I, I think this whole business of always trying to defend every aspect of our ministry is tiresome and silly. I much rather just encourage these people to go contribute. Awesome. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It's a tough, it's a tough thing to interact with as can impress the publisher can impress. It's, it's one that we're very, it's a criticism we're very familiar with. And I'm sure you are. <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah, it's always seems like a difficult one to interact with substantively or, you know, it's like, oh, if you actually had a some substantive disagreement, then, you know, there's plenty you can discuss, but tone is always a tough one. It's always subtext too. There's like, well, right, right. You know, like, so, okay. So the words I actually use right. aren't the things that I'm being judged for, but the secret message that you're just sure correct lies underneath the hood. That is a big one. That is a big one. Have you, uh, <laughs> I, I very much just as a side note, I very much enjoyed, uh, some of your memes going back at, uh, a particular ministry that's been, uh, Mimi, I guess their their version of like memeing and quoting you, the exposing Moscow page is very yeah. I those, very much enjoy. Don't know what to do with happy people, do they? <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> I very much enjoyed uh, enjoyed your retorts. Uh, last one of my last questions in terms of uh, sort of who maybe your target audience. I, I've had you on before to talk about just what your writings in general and talking about your after writing about men who at this time are super into people like Joe Rogan or Jordan Peterson, or there just seems to be this mass of sort of good people that are just des- in desperate need of advice or help or, or what mm-hmm. have you. Uh, I'm curious, there's probably a, a version of this that you can't really get away from, you know, like at what point do you become that or, or what have you? You're a pastor and in the book, you talk about the importance of having a pastor, not just having like, you know, male gurus. Um, how do you, how do you, like, what's your perspective on that in terms of like, I, I could see someone who wanted to go at you, just be like, well, dude, you're a male guru. Like what now? Or, you know, are you your worst nightmare? <laughs> well, what I would say, so uh, I, I have this uh, category I call an alpha guru. Um, okay. and so they're like this, they're men who present themselves as 
experts who have what you need, which they claim is data and technique. Always, you need my information, you need my method. Okay. And and so I'm not talking about content specific coaches. Got it. To emphasize the individual's responsibility to apply, like someone like on Twitter, like Alex Cortez, who's telling you how to lift weights or whatever. Sure. And so that makes sense. That's a very specific area. But the alpha guru type kind of goes much further. They're like pseudo fathers. Okay. And they present themselves almost as like a heroic figure to whom you end up owing your life, right? Or unquestioned loyalty. Yep. And uh, and I call them alpha gurus because they themselves present as if they are the model of masculine mastery okay. and almost always for hire, right? Yep. I'm terrible at Patreon. I'm terrible at doing things for money. I uh, I hate it. I hate all of it. I do everything free, and it's, I have to work real hard to to not be that way because time my time actually is valuable, and my mom, and my wife reminds me of that often. But what I would say is that pastors are more like a father. A father wants you to master yourself, yeah. where an alpha guru wants to master you. Fathers discipline you towards good, and then alpha gurus discipline you towards their goals. How are you helping build them up? Yep. All right. So if if me telling you to become a godly man and commit to a local church makes me an alpha guru, I mean, so <laughs> be it. I guess right. That that is my goal uh, yeah. for them, but yep. it's not my personal goal for my life. I'm not trying to get them to. You know, I I warn people about moving here for our church in Batavia. It's, you know, say so like I don't. It's not like every other CREC church. You know, we have our own unique things. You should consider all this before you come here. Sure. I think fathers want you to grow into a peer and eventually even eclipse them. I want my sons to go further than me. And I'd like the young men in my church, I'd like to be a pastor that I never could be. Yep. Right. It's just because of the quality of their discipleship. But, you know, uh, an alpha guru wants you to remain a devotee and never outdo them in anything. <laughs> so, right. Right. Fathers want you to be your own man on your own mission. That's in keeping with the discipline and ethics that they've passed on. To. I want my kids to keep the discipline, the vision and the ethics that I've given to them, but they're going to be different. Like my oldest son is um, very chill, introverted. He and I are very different in that sense where I'm not chill and I'm not introverted and, <laughs> um, and I'm always going and, and always messy. And that's just how it is. But he's still my son. He still has my vision and discipline he's going to go do it in his own way and that's going to make me happy right that's what i want to see from him. where an alpha guru wants you to be one of their guys who help them manage their mission they've called you to now it's funny i've heard people say when i describe this that i'm describing doug wilson okay um i've heard that but what i my experience with doug wilson is actually for him to be very humble and to lift up other people so when i did that um round table about uh, Gashmuth Sayeth yes, and yeah. Tom Bombadil in our book, man, I had to work hard to get Doug to talk about his book. Yeah. And if anyone watches that interview, they'll see me trying to get Doug to talk about his book. Yep. But Doug was content to set us up and to highlight it's good to be a man in Chris's book. And my experience with him my entire week that I was out there and all the things we did is that he was a very relaxed guy. He was not actually the biggest personality in the room. And I've seen Doug go at it hard when I was at the uh, Series C Church Council. Okay, I know he can. I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> it was, it was funny. That was uh, the first time I'd seen him in person for 
couple of years okay. and it was kind of intense, but that was the nature of that. But when we're just out there in Moscow, he's just kind of comes in all calm and sure, other sure. no, it's because he's a pastor. Like he wants, he wants his legacy to be the work that he poured into his church and into the people. And he wants to see it go forward. And that's, that's what I want too. I want to set other people up that will take all these things much further than I ever can. Um, I'm okay with not running that football into the end zone. If I can just move it down field, I'm happy. And that's what a father's like. He's just trying to move the ball down the field. Yeah. Alpha guru wants to be the big star. He wants all the credit. He's not content um, to be on the sidelines or be the guy that doesn't get the MVP. Sure. But still wins the game, you know? You mentioned your week here. One of the things that you did was read the audiobook. Uh, mm-hmm. That was Wade Stotts. My oh, friend. did you? Didn't re- you didn't do it? Oh, dang. No, so no. sorry. Wade did such a great job, too. If I'd done it, I'd been like, man. <laughs> yeah, been that's terrible. hilarious because now I, of course, remember that that happened. But uh, dang, while well, I was trying to set up the audiobook. But yeah, Wade Stotts read the audiobook. Everybody can now go get that on Canon Plus. Go listen. All right. So, very last thing, Michael, tell us about the conference, County Before Country. Sweet. Yeah. So, County Before Country is the annual conference we do at East River Church here in Batavia, Ohio. It's a conference on Christian localism. So, how do you get involved as a Christian locally in all these variety of ways? Sure. We did one last year with Aaron Wren, Chris Wiley, George Grant, Matt Trewella, John Moody, myself. It was great. We had a lot of people there, it's about 200 people. This year, uh, we're going bigger. We just signed a new lease for our building at our church. We're going to go for about 500, 600 people. Doug Wilson has agreed to speak at it. Andrew Torba, C- uh, CEO of Gab, has. Aaron Wren's going to be there again. I'm going to be there. Brian Save is going to be there doing music for us. I can't ever say his name right. So, Brian, if I say your last name wrong, uh, it's not my fault. <laughs> get a better name like Foster or Miller or something. Um, I can't say Jake's last name right either. Yeah, that's but, fine. That's um, fine. But then we've got a couple other names put, uh, being put together. That's going to be for Labor Day weekend. So September 1st through September 3rd, a Thursday through a Saturday afternoon. Okay. And it'll be right here in Batavia, Ohio. I'm at East River Church. You can go to Facebook and type in County Before Country. Or just follow me on Twitter and at This Is Foster. And you'll see me post that. But yeah, it's going to be a big conference. It's going to be pretty wild. I'm excited. Awesome, man. The names are very exciting. That's very cool. You got uh, Torba and it should be fascinating, man. It's going to be, yeah. Michael, thank you so much for giving me your time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Glad to do it. God bless. Cheers, man. Take care.